0: dot com slash google teacher pod you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the google teacher podcast thank you for your continued support and may the googles be with you
1: my name is jennifer kronk from the assist learning podcast i'm a proud member of the education podcast network just like the show you're listening to right now the opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts make sure you check out all
2: the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1.
0: Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com.
1: Well, Tribe, I've got a little bit of news to share with you. I just happened to stumble upon some information that the website mattmiller.com is available. Now, don't any of you go out and scoop it up while I'm still trying to figure out what to do with this information, but I just found that out. And so I've been kind of like wrestling with this question of, do I try to get mattmiller.com? And you know, what would I use it for? And I was chatting about this with Casey, which led us to an even deeper and definitely more important question. What other domain names are out there that could be purchased? And we came up with a fun little list, didn't we, Casey?
2: We did. We we experimented with some of our favorite Google Teacher Tribe phrases.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, uh, one of the first ones that we had to go try to check out was Jimmy Matt. Is com available? And so we looked that one up and it appears... That it has been purchased by somebody, but they're not doing anything with it. So Boo. sadly, that one is not available. Another one that I looked up too was GT Tribe, you know, our Twitter hashtag. And that one is available. You could go get GTTribe.com right now. So that's another one. So
2: don't, though, don't do that.
1: <laughs> right. Right. <exactly. laughs> and then, of course, there's one little catchphrase that we've had around since day one of the Google teacher tribe. And of course, that one is one that we've used almost like a hashtag for a while. And that is super excited because Casey and I were like addicted to that. And so I went and searched superexcited.com and guess what? It's available. It's for sale. If the website says it's for sale and it could be yours. So there you go. If anybody was like passionate about getting that, it's it's available.
2: I bet it would be pretty expensive. I have a feeling somebody somewhere, some Instagrammer wants it or something.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Think yeah, about how yeah. super excited.com could be used. I'm sure they're, they're like, it's kind of like the bomb.com, right? I think we better get this going or we we've lost some listeners. Oh my goodness. Yes, I know. That's right. So Casey, tell us what kind of Google related and not domain name related things we have today. So Matt, in
2: today's episode, we're going to talk about some fun end of the year activities to help you cross that final finish line and how to use Google tools to help keep those kiddos engaged, which can be so hard for those of you who are really in those last few days of school so we're going to dig into that we've got of course google news and updates and the mailbag is quite full yet again matt we've got lots of feedback from the listeners and a couple of things from the blogosphere so you ready to do this
1: i think i'm ready let's go to it Well, it's time for some Google news and updates, and we've got a few things that might be of interest to you, and the first one has to do with Google Earth, and for the longest time, we've been able to use Google Earth to look at satellite imagery and to kind of see a rendering of the world in 3D, Uh, but... We've just gotten a new feature that's been added to Google Earth. And it says that in a multiple choice quiz, Atlas Obscura takes you to some of the most beautiful and intriguing places on the planet and then asks you if you're able to identify those locations. So it kind of, kind of gamifies the, the Google Earth imagery and, um, kind of gives you a chance to, put yourself to the test, so to speak. So if you've got um, a spoiler alert here, we're going to add this one to a list of something we're going to talk about later in the episode of some, some websites that students can use if they've got some free time on their hands, this definitely could go on that list, I think. So definitely something we're checking out.
2: Love it. Google Earth is always coming up with something super cool. Now this next story here comes to us from the Google blog and it's all about the Google Assistant. So using your Google Home or your Google Home Mini to tell stories. And, you know, Matt and I had a little bit of fun with this uh, back in, what was that? It was around the holidays, I think, when we mm-hmm. had, had our, our little turkey story episode. But uh, they published this actually for National Tell a Story Day. And so you can use it when you're in desperate need of a story and when your kids are really tired of hearing about your high school glory days. And you can you can ask the Google Assistant to tell you things like, Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, or you can just say, hey, Google, tell me a story. Now they've got short stories from NPR, they've got StoryCorps, they've got all kinds of things. You can even say, hey, Google, tell me a story about motherhood. And so you may want to keep that one in mind for Mother's Day, which is coming up very quickly as well. So lots of fun little ideas in there. It's actually a short article, but with some quick tips and some ideas. So when you are in need of a story for the classroom or your home.
1: Nice. I love that. I I was just telling Casey that my kids still listen to those silly turkey stories. In fact, just a couple of days ago, my uh one of my daughters asked for one of the turkey stories. So, yeah, that hasn't died at the Miller household yet. So, let's keep moving on. Let's talk about coding. You know, coding is something I think that is very near and dear to our hearts here at the Google Teacher Tribe and we can see the value in helping kids learn how to code and how to learn through coding and all of that. And so there's a a new opportunity for kids to learn how to code uh, by creating their own Google logo. So this is an initiative that has been launched recently where you've got students in grades four through eight. They're teaming up with the World Wildlife Fund. And in this posts they talk a little bit about how coding can actually be used um to kind of like support conservation and sustainability and all of that but um the the core of this is that this uh this program encourages kids to use scratch which is a block-based programming language um to use basic coding to create their own uh logos and so it's a sort of like a contest that that students can can participate in. So uh, if you're in, always looking for a new way to get kids working with coding and learning some more stuff about that, then uh, this is another one of those great opportunities that's out there.
2: That's a great combo, combining those two efforts together. I like that. So these and all of the show notes will be available at GoogleTeacherTribe.com slash 54 so if you want to go check out all of the links and the resources that we mentioned in today's episode be sure that you go to our website Hey, y'all. So here in the States, I know we have listeners from all over and bless your heart if you're going to school year round. But we uh, we have summer vacation coming up and a lot of teachers are on the countdown. I know all of the students are on the countdown. Matt, you've probably got a countdown going at your house with your kids. I bet
1: we've known how long school is until it goes until it's done for a while. So So it's like day one. Maybe not day one, but we have known for a little while. Yeah.
2: Right. And, you know, being a teacher in the classroom this time of year, especially after you've moved past those standardized tests, you've done everything you were supposed to do and the kids just want to go wild. I I know my students were always like, can't we just have a free day? Can we have a movie day? (laughs) There's still valuable learning that can happen in those last few days of school. And so we wanted to share some of our favorite ideas and googly ideas on ways that you can spice up those last few days of class.
1: These, these last several weeks of school are kind of unique creatures in and of themselves, I think. And there, there's a handful of things that, that really lend themselves to these last days. And, uh, there's one thing that, that we've talked about not too long ago that has to do with, uh, Google forms quizzes, um, you know, Google Forms does make it pretty easy to ask some questions and then provide some immediate feedback. And even though it's not the the perfect quiz tool, um, you know, most of our students, if they have access to G Suite, they do have access to Google Forms. And one of the nice things about being able to do simple assessment like this is that you can get that instant feedback. And there's sort of a, a, a cool twist that you can put on this. You know, um, teachers a lot of times will do some of these uh, quizzes and formative assessments with Google Forms, but what if we let students create these too? So... Imagine this, imagine you have a class of maybe you know twenty twenty five kids, and you have them all creating their own Google Forms quizzes about some sort of content that you've covered during the year and you want to go back over it at the end of the year. So have them create the forms. Uh, with the quizzes and a little bit of feedback after each one of those questions. And then if they're able to circulate those quizzes around to each other, that means you get lots of repetitions with your material. You get lots of instant feedback and you don't have the continual same questions over and over again. So I think that's one of those really easy ways that you can get a lot of variety, get the kids involved in it too, And it doesn't it doesn't put a ton of extra work on your shoulders. So just one of those real, real simple, easy ways that you can make some of that end of the year stuff really work.
2: That's a great idea. I really love giving that to the student, getting them creating, getting them thinking, because if they can create those questions and create those reflections, then that's going to even better way to show mastery of, of learning. So. Great idea. Thank you for sharing that one, Matt. The idea I want to share next, actually, we've mentioned on the podcast earlier, but I put out this question in my Facebook group. The Shake Up Learning Facebook group is very active and they have tons of fun ideas. And so everybody started sharing their end of the year projects and ideas. Well, uh, one of the projects that came out of this came from Carlos Garza, And he said he was doing the change the game design challenge from Google. And so if you go to the link in our show notes, you'll see the information about this. And there's still time to enter this design challenge. It, uh, the deadline is May 16th. So here's the deal, right? Hundreds of millions of people play games on Google play. 49% are women, yet only 23% of game developers. Are women. So the idea here, of course, is to get girls interested in coding. So they joined forces with um, Girls Make Games and ESA Foundation to create this Change the Game Design Challenge and to inspire and empower teens to design a game they would like to play. So along with this game idea, they'll share their vision for the future of gaming for a chance to win a $10,000 college scholarship and $15,000 for their schools or community centers technology program. So there's not only something engaging and fun, but there is scholarship money at stake. So just a really fun idea, I think, to wrap up the year with some of the students in your classrooms. There's also a link in here to the Girls Make Games summer camp. So if you're thinking ahead and you want to help encourage more girls to get interested in in gaming and coding. Great yeah. way to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's I mean there's so much that's that's so cool in this. I mean, you've got gaming, you've got creating, you've got empowering girls to you know, kind of fill some of those spots where they're underrepresented. There's money. <laughs> There's, you know, college scholarships and money for the, the community and everything. I mean, this is, this is awesome. So this is, this is part of the great thing that is the end of the year. If you have a little bit of this flexibility and some of the opportunities to do this stuff, it's just like, you know, just think about you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when we didn't have a lot of these um, digital resources available to us and some of these opportunities. And now we've got some of this really cool stuff that students can do. I could go on and on. You know, I really do believe we're in sort of a golden age for for teaching when we can use technology to do stuff. But I digress. I won't get too philosophical on all of you. so. Um, so, another thing that comes with the end of the year is that we have students finishing things up. And that could be finishing up a final exam, finishing up a project, working on something in class, and sometimes they get done before everybody else. We have those early finishers. And I have found that if I have a handful of good websites ready to go so that when they get done and the inevitable question comes when they ask, what do I do now? Instead of just saying, well, you're done. And I've found whenever I say, well, you're done, that means that they go cruise the web or they take a nap. <laughs> and that's the way that my high school students have rolled before. Um, but if we have some some sites that either tie directly into our content or just academic in nature, then we can keep the learning going. And so I wanted to quickly mention some of the the sites that you can provide students that have free time on their hands. And these are all related to Google. So one of them that I love is called Quick Draw, uh, which I know we've talked about on the show before. This is the one where you're given an object or an idea to draw. And then Google's artificial intelligence tries to guess what you're drawing. So it's kind of a fun introduction into, into AI for students. And then speaking of AI, you've also got AI Duet which is what they call a piano that responds to you. So you've got kind of like this piano and then Google's artificial intelligence uses all of this data to guess what it should play in response to what you play. So that one could be kind of fun. There's Google Trends, which has been around for a long time, and that helps you learn what other people are searching for all over the world. So it gives you kind of an insight into what's coming through the Google search engine. You've got the Google Earth time-lapse, which shows what the world has looked like as it has changed over 20-plus years from satellite view. And you can watch it in motion as it changes over all of those years. And then there's finally GeoGuessr. Um, GeoGuessr's been around for a while, too, and it's so much fun. Um, You use Google Maps Street View, and it drops you down on the street someplace in the world, and you have to use your context clues to guess where you've been dropped. So there's a bunch of those, um, of course, at GoogleTeacherTribe.com/slash. 54 in our show notes. We've got links to all of those. And uh, yeah, maybe just have some of those at the ready in case you've got some students that finish up early.
2: Those are great. I love the lesser known tools, especially the AI experiments. And there's some really fun ones. In fact, you just inspired me to share uh, another one that I just learned about recently called Emoji Scavenger Hunt. And so it's really fun. You can play it on mobile or on just on the web. And you basically show a picture to the camera on your device. So whether that's a selfie or whatever face you're making, and it tries to figure out what emoji is going to match whatever the camera sees. So that might be an inanimate object, or it might be your face, but the kids could have a whole lot of fun with this. So Basically, it says, locate the emoji we show you in the real world with your phone's camera. A neural network will try to guess what it's seeing. Make sure your sound is on. So it's just a really fun little game here and another way to spice things up in the classroom.
1: Yeah, definitely. This is so much fun. I, I tried playing it here at home, uh, you know, several days ago and was running all over the house trying to, you know, get on camera some of the stuff that they, they popped up there as emojis. And I think I finally was stumped with an emoji of broccoli. I just, I couldn't, I didn't have any broccoli and I was, I was stuck. So, um, but no, that one, that one's a lot of fun. And actually, since you mentioned it, Casey, I know we could go on and on with this stuff. Um, I just thought of another one. Um, this is an app called just a line and this has to do with, uh, creating an augmented reality and it basically turns on your camera and lets you take a video and you're, you're able to draw little, these little white lines, um, kind of all over the place in 3D. So you can go over to one side of the room and draw and then go over to the other side of the room and see what it looks like when you drew over there. And I know it's, it's, it's really a pretty cool thing. So anyway, we, like, like I said, we could go on and on with some of these things that kids could do with free time on their hands, but those are, those are some, uh, some examples that you can use.
2: So I have just a couple more that I want to share. And these are, are semi-related, but if you have followed my blog, and probably if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know I'm a huge fan of learning menus uh, or choice boards. You can call them whichever you prefer. I just tend to call them learning menus. And a tic-tac-toe is like my favorite ever. It's so easy. You can use it for just about anything. The, the learning design is just so clean and simple. So... You can create these for whatever you want on whatever topic maybe you're still trying to fit in at the end of the year. So for instance, Stephanie Ann shared in the Facebook group that she was going to cover um parts of the civil rights movement through a tic-tac-toe learning menu. And so she didn't actually share the link. Otherwise, I would give you that to you. But I think it was a fun idea. So I'm going to give you a link back to my blog post that has a template and some other ideas that you can use for creating tic-tac-toes. What I love about it is it gives kids choice, but it's not overwhelming. And you know they can just make the tic-tac-toe. I usually keep the middle square as my non-negotiable which also controls how they make the tic-tac-toes. So you can sort of design it and keep it in line with your learning target. So just a quick tip there. I love that idea. The other thing I wanted to mention is I also created a different kind of menu, but surrounding the four C's. And so there's a, a link in the show notes to the blog post on using the four C's learning menu. So if you're really wanting to keep kids thinking, get them engaged and not just wanting to play games and watch movies, which is what they they tend to gravitate towards this time of year. But this will cover creativity, communication, collaboration, and critical thinking. Now, um, how you design it and how you want to use it is up to you. But I created a template. It's in Google Slides. And one of the slides is a teacher's guide that will actually sort of give you some suggestions on where to make the changes to make it fit with your students. But I'll give you one, for instance, here, um, the under creativity, list as many uses for a paperclip that you can think of in 10 minutes, share it with a partner and push your team to think of 20 more. And I wish I could tell you I came up with that one all on my own, but I stole that from the Ken Robinson TED Talk and the Mm, idea of a paperclip. But I think that's a fantastic question because it really helps push your thinking. And uh, just one quick idea there. So there's so many fun things that we can do at the end of the year.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's totally right for a lot of these a lot of these cool ideas. And at the end of the year, and I'll I'll kind of tack this on quickly here at the end. At the end of the year, if you use Google Classroom, there are a couple of things that you can do to kind of clean things up. And um, we're going to refer to a post written by Eric Kurtz of the Control Alt Achieve blog at controlaltachieve.com. We do have a link in the show notes and he has a list of six end of the year Google Classroom cleanup tips. I think we've mentioned these in a in a show before but since we're at this time of year again it's good to mention. So the ones that he has and I'll just list the six real quick and then you can get details over at controlaltachieve.com is he suggests that we return all student work, unenroll students from old classes, archive old classes, remove old class calendars, move old class folders in Drive, and finally remove old class files from the shared with me in Drive. Now, if you don't do all of that stuff, yes, your Google Classroom will still continue to work, It'll still be fine. But those are some of the things if you want to make sure that it's all buttoned up and and clean and ready to go for the next school year, those will definitely help. And so, again, uh, feel free to find the links to any of the stuff we've just talked about over at GoogleTeacherTribe.com slash 54. All right, it's time to go to the Google Teacher Tribe mailbag, and we've got a lot of good stuff here. Uh, so I'm going to start with one. This comes from Rasa Conklin from Federal Way, Washington. And so she says... She says that she enjoys listening to the Google teacher tribe and gets ideas on Monday morning that she comes into school with her head spinning. I assume that's a good thing. And then she says, sometimes you all make it seem so easy. It is therefore with great trepidation that I'm asking for help. And I'm going to get back to that in just a second. Um, she talks about how she created Google sites for her students to display and publish their work, which is awesome. Um and then she was having each group add a page and then two students are working on their page and all of a sudden were upset because their work had disappeared and it appeared on a different page. She says, I have a funny feeling that this is due to something small that we did wrong, but I need help. Uh, is there an easy tutorial or a website for step-by-step directions? And the truth here, I think, is that sometimes, especially when you have students collaborating in real time, that sometimes weird glitchy things will happen. And sometimes uh, if you save one version of it in one place and another version in another place, sometimes those conflicting versions are, it just, it causes trouble. So um, my guess is that you guys didn't do anything totally, totally wrong here. That may have just been a glitch. Now, if someone in the tribe has a little more specific answer than that, then we would love to pass that along.
2: So Rasa, I I would need some follow-up You know, answers in order to know a little bit more about what happened here. But I'm wondering, were these two students working on one machine or were they both on separate computers logged into the same page? Um, Because I could potentially see some issues happening with that. But, um, you know, with Google Sites. It is not quite as difficult as it was with the old sites. Trying to collaborate was really kind of cumbersome and you really had to keep to one page at a time. So it might mean that we need to take a step back and kind of look at what were the pages that were open or if kids had multiple tabs open, maybe they opened a du- you know duplicates of the same page and didn't realize it. So th- I think there are a few things that, that could have been happening that we just don't know without being there and seeing. And of course, you probably... Didn't see it exactly happen either. But this stuff happens to us all the time. Mm-hmm. And we hate it when we know kids have been working hard on something and, and lose it. Yeah. But yeah, like Matt said, if, if other people in the tribe have been using, and I'm assuming you're using the new sites. I don't think you actually said, but if other people have suggestions on how you manage that when you have students working inside Google Sites, please share that with us. I think that'd be a great thing to share with the tribe.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another thing came to mind here is, um, the great thing about the new Google sites is that it integrates so well with, you know, docs and slides and, and all of that. And so, um, you know, depending on what it is that you have students doing, instead of having them modify the, the, the site in and of itself, if they have a doc, like a document that you can put onto the page and they're able to go modify what's in the document, then that may, that may keep you from having multiple students kind of collaborating on the same site. So that could potentially, uh, help with some of the, some of the issues that you're having. Now you did mention earlier, this thing I said, I was going to get back to, there was a line here, uh, not a bad line or anything, just something that I I wanted to bring up. She, she wrote, sometimes you make it, you all make it seem so easy. Is therefore great trepidation that I'm asking for help, and sometimes I think you're right with that word "seem." You know, we we may make it seem easy. Uh, Remember that before we record this, we get a chance to go look up any questions that we have and to talk it over and and everything. So it's not like you know everything is all perfectly coming to mind right away. That's the stuff that happens behind the scenes, but. The reality is that I want to remind – I really want to remind everybody uh, about all of us in the tribe is that we're all kind of just figuring this out together, and we all have different experiences, and that's thats the great thing, I think, about the tribe. And so if it seems like anybody has it totally – all together and has it all figured out, then my guess is that's probably an illusion. So, you know, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind that we're all in this together. We're better together. And I don't think any of us has it together as much as maybe we appear. And I think that goes for all of us. So I just I just thought that might be worth mentioning.
2: That's a great point, And I totally agree. And that's that's why we love this po- portion of the podcast being able to to bring the tribe into the conversation and share what's going on and you're in the trenches you're out there you're doing these things you're sharing these things in scenarios that we maybe haven't experienced yet and so that can be difficult to duplicate and that's why you know sort of when we get stomped we're like hey well we don't know the answer and being willing to admit you don't know something is kind of hard but um You know, sometimes sometimes we all have to learn how to do that because there's just absolutely no way to be an expert in everything these days. So keep them coming. We're all failing forward together. Our next question comes to us from Carly Black in Ohio. Hello. Thank you for the emoji extension tip. I was wondering if you knew a way to add GIFs easily I'm thinking, um, and she didn't finish that up, but I'm guessing she means into docs and things like that. I've been thinking about letting kids create literary analysis through a series of GIFs and emojis. The problem is finding the right tools to execute this well. Any suggestion would be appreciated. So I think she's wanting ideas on things you can use to create GIFs that can then be used and imported in places like that. So, you know, I know there's a lot of tools out there and, uh, you know, we create GIFs using our photos and, and some other things online. And then, you know, Google created that new little search engine. And so we can go grab the things that are already out there. But how do you create GIFs? You know, how do you make your own? And maybe you're adding to something that's out there or editing something. But, you know, I think a lot of people would be interested in, in what's going on. And I I definitely don't have a magic answer to this one. Do you, Matt?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, you're right. There, there are lots of different tools out there. And um, you know, obviously lots of places you can search for them as well. And um, yeah, th- and some of them, obviously there's, if you're searching for them, there are uh, appropriateness level <laughs> questions that kind of go into that. But yeah, I would be really interested to see what the tribe has to say when it comes to all of this. So, so yeah.
2: Definitely, you know I think Jiffy, uh, the the g i p h y dot com one is is like one of the number one creators, but it's full of junk, and I think that's sort of the the catch here, and why we don't want to necessarily suggest too many things is because there is so many so many things that could go down trail. We don't necessarily want to go down with students. So um, if anyone has a magic solution or app or something to help Carly out, let us know and um, share it with the, the Google Teacher Tribe hashtag on Twitter.
1: Yeah. And you you know, while we were just talking about this, I did stumble upon a setting within Google Images. And again, if you're searching for them, and again, you've got the whole appropriateness level thing. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but under an, under an image search, If you hit the tools button, you can go to the, um, the type, you know, you've got size and color and usage rights and everything. And under type, you can select animated and only search for animated GIFs or GIFs or whatever. So, um, that's another thing that's out there too, but, um, you know, just to, just to kind of let you know what's available. And then our final question for today actually is not so much a question, but a tip. This is from Matt Jacobson of Galesburg, Illinois. I was out in Galesburg within the last year or so at their WITCON conference. So uh, hello there to Matt. Uh, good to see that he's still following the tribe. And he says, hi, Matt and Casey. Just listen to episode 53 on the new Gmail, our most recent episode. Casey mentioned that her sidebar appeared quite cluttered with all of the labels and whatnot that she uses. And he says, I use a lot of labels too and still have lots of labels that used to be folders when our school switched from Outlook to Gmail. An easy way to clean these up is to go to the gear icon, then click settings, then click show only if unread next to many of your folders. Then they'll only appear on the left if there's something to reply to or if there's a reply to something that you have previously labeled. And the trick is to label the message before you reply to it. He says this works really nifty with the new snooze feature in the new Gmail. Messages that you've snoozed in the past show up as unread messages in your inbox. So if you label it when you snooze it, that label should light up in the left sidebar with an unread message whenever you need to act upon it. So we were even just talking a little bit about that whole inbox zero idea and this is this sounds like another way to to kind of organize your inbox a little better so it's not just a big clump of messages in your inbox like mine is cuz it's a mess.
2: Yeah, thank you Matt for that. I think that's a great tip. Unfortunately, I too am not an inbox zero person and mm-hmm. I wish this was a magic solution for me, but however I thought it was a great tip and I'm sure other people will appreciate it and maybe eventually I'll get caught up on my emails. So we and can always
0: hope. Right? If
2: you're if you're waiting on a reply from me, I apologize in advance. So So thank you guys for all of these, these messages and shares. Keep them coming. We love it. Um, You have filled our inbox, our speak pipe, our Twitter feed everywhere um, so much so that we can't share everything, but we appreciate it. And we want to we want to keep learning with you. So please keep sharing with us. Okay, y'all, it's time to take a look at what's going on on the blogs. And, you know, I have a post here that I wish I could take full credit for, but I I can't. Uh, The post is called a hyperdoc unit that will blow your mind. And it truly will, no matter what you teach, I promise you. So I am a huge fan of HyperDocs in general, but let me tell you, this is a unit. This is not just a HyperDoc for one lesson, one activity. This is an entire unit, and it was designed by the awesome team of Sean Fahey, Carly Mora, Michelle Wagner, Heather Marshall, and Becky Og- Bloom. I don't know how to say your last name, Becky. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... You know who you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> you'll know I, I butcher names and I don't mean to, I promise you. I think there's something with this southern tongue that just just struggles sometimes. <laughs> but mm-hmm. they designed this unit and it was designed to go with the global read aloud and the novel Study of the Wild Robot by Peter Brown, which is awesome. But hey, if you're not a language arts teacher, Hang in there because I promise you, if you look at this unit, you're going to get ideas. So I've embedded everything, including the template. On the site, so you can click through and take a look at all of the activities in here because they have integrated so many things, including vocabulary activities, theme, uh, STEM connections, book snaps, performance tasks, digital breakouts, quizzes. They're using Flipgrid. They're using Padlet. They're doing Seesaw. They're doing all kinds of fun things and mashing this all together. So go grab a copy of this free template and get the teacher's guide so you can see exactly how you can use this. This was actually published in my Shake Up Learning book as an example as well. So it is a very dynamic hyperdoc. They go beyond the walls. By collaborating outside of the classroom, they're definitely going beyond the grade level and subject area by integrating those STEM activities and using tools in new ways. So they've gone beyond the tools as well. So really, if you want some ideas on how to create more dynamic learning experiences, this is a great read.
1: This is pretty amazing stuff that they've got here. I mean, it is they're incorporating some of my favorite digital tools, including Flipgrid and Padlet and Seesaw and also I mean this is this is good stuff. You gotta check this out. So I've also got a post out there that you might want to check out, and it is called 10 low prep, high return activities for class tomorrow. I know that the time factor is always a big deal in the classroom, and we never feel like we have enough time to do what we need to do. Whenever we can find some of those activities that don't take a ton of prep time, but still give us good quality learning, that can be a gold mine. And so I've listed several of those out there, including several of them that do have to do with Google. Um, one of them that I really like in particular is a new twist on Quizlet Live. And so... Um, I came across this at a presentation that I was at and someone shared this and um, it's, it's a different way of playing Quizlet Live and we didn't really have a name for it. So I called it Quizlet Quarterback. And you basically have a group of three students. Two of them are working off of three computers and one of them is standing behind them, kind of like the quarterback in a football game. And it's a it's kind of a neat twist on Quizlet. So um, that's in that post if you want to check that out. Um, but anyway, uh, like I said, 10 low prep, high return activities for class tomorrow. If you're still looking for something here at the end of the school year or if you're in a different part of the world and it's not quite the end of the school year yet, hopefully there's something here that you can use. Alright folks that wraps it up we're getting to the end of the race it's about time to cross the finish line hopefully you're able to cross it strong and able to make the most of these last couple of days and hopefully you've got some new ideas of how you can use g suite to do that of course as always please do be in touch because we love to hear from you either on the gt tribe hashtag or leave us one of those fancy voice messages so that we can put your beautiful voice here on the show and uh, we love to get connected with all of you
2: And we love reviews, too. So if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a review on whatever platform you happen to listen to the Google Teacher Tribe, um, please leave us a review and let us know what you think and help other teachers find podcasts that interest them by doing that. So we appreciate everything that the tribe has contributed because, like we said earlier, this is a team effort. We are Mm -hmm. all together on this. So um, we have so much fun doing this, and we wish you... The, the best as you try to cross the finish line this year.
1: That's right. So we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Well, Tribe, I've got a little bit of – kind of small, but significant to me. Anyway, new. I'm just going to do that again. That was dumb. <laughs> I'm such a dork sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's
1: try this again.
0: Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, DitchThatTextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.